Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 269 on a Tuesday, the 6th of August, 2019. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And in this sad week where we say goodbye to Shogun Production, we'll be talking about how we need to eat a little humble pie on this show after being given some background information. We'll also be asking how much of an ass the law is. And we chat about what else you can get for the same price as a Renault RS Trophy R. But first, we do have some follow-up. I'm afraid. Well, I'm not, I'm not afraid. Some of the follow-up is very good. But first of all, let's get through the crummy follow-up, which is Dieselgate is back. Oh, goodness sake. Uh, and this time it is the uh, Munich office of the German public prosecutor has charged Robert Stadler, uh, Rupert Stadler, sorry, not Robert, Rupert Stadler. You'd think I'd remember the name by now. Yeah, that was wrong as soon as you started. But. Who is the former Audi CEO, has been charged to do with Dieselgate. He's charged along with three other defendants, who they haven't named, by the way, uh, with false certification and criminal advertising practices. Now, the other three defendants that they won't name for whatever reason have been charged with developing engines containing emission defeat devices. So, engineering people, and the CEO of Audi knew it and still carried on. It seems to, what I'm reading between not many lines. Yes. Yeah, I'd agree with that. There's still uh, investigations against 23 other suspects. Yep. Ongoing. But you can read more about that in the show notes with the Autocar article as ever. But Alan, almost seconds after we said we believed in Aston Martin and their management team. Yes, and the chief executive liked your tweet. Yes. yes. Aston Martin's share price took a second hit after they announced a pre-tax loss of £78.8 million for the first half of the year. When this Autocar article was written, they were saying that it was still below £5 a share. It had hit a low of £4.40 at one point. Um, Yeah. And it was £19 when it first floated in October, just to, to give you an idea. The first warning of the profit warning took them down to eight six pounds and then it sort of dived the next bit from there yeah but as somebody was saying on twitter and it might even have been you andrew because i'm about to give credit to someone you know people forget just how how awful aston martin has been for most of its century long life and in actual fact despite all of this because this is the stupidity of share prices which really bear little resemblance to most but but you know 78.8 million in, in Aston terms is is not isn't bad but there's a lot of investment that's the thing it's 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 one of these times you know there's a whole there's the factory in Wales there's lots of investment in in new product coming through uh there's all that kind of stuff you know because of course there's a DBX the only thing that seems to have really caught them out is the less than anticipated sales in Europe that seems to be the one thing that slightly caught yeah. out the management team. Everything else was, well, we have to do this yeah. to move forward. We have to invest if we're going to have a new site. We have to invest mm-hmm. if we're going to have new products and a different drivetrain and all these other things that are going on. Uh, and when you're investing heavily, then you end up with a loss. Mm. I mean, the thing is that, to be honest, if certain other vehicle manufacturers only posted a loss of 78.8 million. Oh, they'd be heralded as saviors of the universe. Yes, quite. So it's, it's yeah, I think it's a bit disingenuous. I don't really trust stocks and shares anyway. I think we made, I think we made that clear last week that it's silly. I don't feel that share price is much of an indicator of anything, but it makes Makes for good screaming headlines. Not that this is a screaming headline. Yeah. Uh, in Antarctica. Right. Now, the third bit of follow up was to do with the Air Index article that said some of the cars currently driving with Euro 6 diesels were nowhere near as clean as official processes, certifications, and testing would have us believe in real world conditions. Now, I was uh, particularly scathing almost verging on mocking at points on the validity of air indexes testing. And I questioned 
how impartial they were considering they were probably after a slice of the emission testing pie. We were, and we were treating them like like one of these think tanks yes. where you think, well, where is the money coming from Absolutely. for this? And that was really where we were. That was where we, really where we were heading. But but you, you got a slight knuckle wrapping, didn't you, in a very nice and polite, lovely way. Friend of the show and sometime presenter, Alex Grant got in touch to put me straight and just explain some history behind Air Index and the testing company they use, which is Emissions Analytic, which are UK-based. They've been testing in the format that they have and they do since 2011. And that is trying to produce real-world tests upon the vehicles that are out there. Now, there are some organizations that have been less than supportive of uh, emission analytics and air index in what they've produced because it has shown that most manufacturers are actually their vehicles in in their tests are producing more to significantly more emissions than the official tests that allow the the mass certification of these engines and these vehicles to uh, to do. Jaguar Land Rover is probably a rarity in that because they seem to have come off much better than most. And as we mentioned last week, there was the yeah. Mercedes 220D that seemed to mm-hmm. almost be producing do incredibly water well instead of any emissions almost <laughs> i actually I, it was it was producing it was producing a y- unicorn unicorn fart rather than yes, anything else that's right rainbows from the exhaust pipe but just to give everybody a little bit of history behind uh, emission analytics and everything they had they've got a u.s office which worked with the international council on clean transportation and they both produced a report on nitrogen oxide emissions on diesel vehicles back in 2014. Now, this is before we existed. Not the reason that Alex got in touch, but Alex said I he did a, a feature of this for uh, Fleet World back then, which mm-hmm. showed that uh, at the time Boris Johnson was saying, oh, clean air rules for going into London should be based on Euro 6 engines. And they used this information from EA and the ICCT to say, well, actually, that's flawed as a basis because in real world, they actually produce a lot more than people are expecting. The report caused, not Alex's report, but the the original report, caused the California Air Resources Board to suddenly start paying attention to this. And that's the start of Dieselgate. Mm-hmm. The ICCT released a second report basically saying the same thing that Alex had, which was things in the real world are not as clean as people think they are. Mm, that's a bit sus. What's going on? I, I, you see, whereas I'm such a cynic to begin with, I didn't, I believed that it was always that way. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that's where Dieselgate came from. So we could possibly quite strongly argue that maybe. Mr. Grant and Fleet World were the people to originally break Dieselgate. <laughs> and I think the first people who would de- de- deny that will be Grant and, Flo- and Fleet World. Because so. <laughs> you'll get another neat r- knuckle wrapping. Okay, but Because one of the things we questioned was, how could you be consistent in real-world testing and all the rest of it? But, uh, Alex has spoken to mm-hmm. uh, Emissions Analytics quite a lot about this, and obviously it's a question they expect to get. And what they are is they are RD2 compliant, which is uh, one of the special test levels that you must be. And newer Euro 6 engines are shown to be genuinely clean, whereas the older Euro 6 ones are not really that clean in comparison. Okay. Well, there's Euro 6D, of course. Which I think is the latest, isn't it? Yeah, it is the latest. So, of course, it's not just Euro 6. There are different levels within it. So I would expect D compliant vehicles to be better than a compliant vehicles but i think that is on the back of the official tests and uh, emission analytics tests are aligning in their results so the tightening of Mm -hmm. the requirements has led to manufacturers having to to tweak how their engines emit things in order to hit the levels Mm -hmm. to officially pass let alone what EA says so it's it's they're becoming aligned even in real world conditions which is good yeah, exactly this is this is the point and this is where we got it wrong last week 
by not knowing this information they're mm-hmm. not they're not a think tank they're not necessarily funded by people who have an agenda and things like that they are genuinely trying to give real data that consumers can use in order to make an informed choice what they do with their, they they do a consistent thing yeah, with, with their tests. Sorry, just to just to round this out though quickly, because I know I've gone on a bit here. You are starting to sound like an advert. Yeah. Well, no, but it's just to make clear what they do, as opposed to whether I agree with it or not. But they, for the repeatability, hmm. they control the bits that they can control. So it's things like the the engine is always warmed up in the same way. There is the same tire pressure. These are the things you would expect. The the different styles mm-hmm. of driving that they undertake whilst testing are the same different styles of driving so that they can get consistent readings. Mm-hmm. So it's it, as much as they can do, they are keeping it as consistent as possible. So whilst these com- air index or stroke uh, emissions analytics may want a slice of the emission testing pie, the work is as legitimate as it can be. So it is worth listening and paying attention when they say something. And it did not deserve the cynicism that I threw at it last week. And here endeth the lesson. Cool. This is the sort of feedback we on this show love to see because it helps educate us where we're mm, incorrect, wrong, misinformed. Yes. Should we move into new news? Yes. July, new car market is down again, folks. It's down 4.1% to a total of 157,198 registrations. uh, And that is the lowest July since 2012. Yeah. And the big numbers really in the big percentages, is that diesel is down 22% year on year. Diesel now has a market share about 25% compared to over 50, not long before Dieselgate or pretty much at the start of Dieselgate. Petrol is up 2.6%. And one of the things that's happened whilst I've been away, it's not just been, uh, it's not just been changes to streaming services, uh, is that the SMMT have started splitting out the uh, different types. So it's no longer alternative fuel vehicles. It is all the, di- the different types. Uh, one of the things that people are or have been pulling up uh, when they've been going through these for many of the magazines is they're saying, oh, plug-in hybrids are down. Look, they're down 49.6%. It's all about the battery electric vehicle. It's all about the hybrid electric vehicle. And yeah, 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 they're right. Plug-in hybrids are down 49.6%, but then it the ones that everyone were buying aren't really on sale at the minute. So let's just remind everyone of that. So your 330E isn't there. Your Passat GTE, it's not on sale at the minute. I don't know about the Mercedes C-Classes, to be honest. I've just thought of that uh, as I was speaking there. The big sellers aren't really available. Hence, year on year, it's down 49%. I can can understand that. Yeah. Uh, Atlander going strong, uh, mind you. So I think it's, by the way, I think it's really, really good. I'm sure you said this the other week. I just haven't listened to that episode yet. That they're splitting this out so that we can get a much better breakdown of this. I, I do feel it's, uh, uh, I do feel it's, it's, it's good stuff. I mean, battery electric vehicles are 1.4% of the market. Uh, this time last year, they were 0.5% of the market. That's almost threefold uh, for those of you who are poor of mental arithmetic. Uh, I think that's great. The fleet private business split. I mean, everyone's down. Private's down 2%. Fleet's down 4.7%. Business is down 22.5%. I'm sure that that is not unconnected to that lack of FEV. Mm. Uh, and I'm sure we'll see a bit of a surge there uh, yeah. when the new Passat and the new 330E come on, come on stream uh, pretty soon. Uh, da, 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 da. They've changed the layout. Everything has changed. <laughs> Bestsellers for July. I swear, you go away for three weeks. I just swear, you can't do it three weeks in a row and the whole world has changed the layout of their website. I'm still grumpy. That hasn't changed. Yeah, well, this is true. Kia Sportage in there at number 10, 2,292. Uh, Volkswagen Polo at number 9. Volkswagen Tiguan at number 8. And that's 2,624. So really not that many between them. Ford Cougar comes in just under the 3,000. Vauxhall Corsa in is 6th is at 3,078. Mercedes-Benz A-Class at 3,700. 
two. Fourth is the focus. Third is the cash cow. There must be some kind of massive deal on for the cash cow. Must be. Is, is, is everybody replenishing their rental fleets or something, or all of a sudden motability are having a refresh or something? I don't. I don't know why else there would be such a surge in cash cow sales. Volkswagen Golf sells only about 150 more, but a little bit less, at 4,288. And of course, number one best best registered, <laughs> the best most registered vehicle in the UK for, t- for July 2019 uh, is the Ford Fiesta for 5,646. Uh, the Fiesta is still 12, ooh, almost 13,000 ahead of the focus in the year to date. Uh, year to date to go. Fiesta, Focus, Golf, Cash Guy, Corsa, A Class, Polo, Cougar, Mini, and Sportage. Mm. There are lots and lots of vehicles just outside that top ten, though, which have so which have <coughs> had registered almost the same, almost the same numbers, though. Judging by how much even the year to date has changed month on month compared to last month, because mm. last month the Toyota Yaris just got into the year to date. The the drop in the polo is a bit of a surprise, I have to say. For the year to date, or for the for the the month. Remember, last month it would have been higher though, because of course Rich was on. Yes, Rich was filling in, and therefore he he bumped the number of polos. Uh, and the golf actually uh-huh. being number two. That's that's surprising. As opposed to the focus, yeah, yes. Yeah. Anyway, spreadsheet of doom. The spreadsheet of doom is a lot of doom. It is. I'll run through the doom, and you can take us back mm-hmm. in a cheerful mood. There is a lot of doom in there. Right. Okay. A bath down twenty seven and a half. Audi down twenty three point three, which is quite a lot considering they were at thirteen thousand four hundred and sixty last year. Quite shocking, really. That is a drop down to ten thousand three hundred and twenty two. That is not a good month for them. Bentley down thirty seven point four, which you hmm. know that's financially bad, but not a lot of vehicles really. Fiat down thirty, nearly thirty five and a half percent. Honda, big drop for Honda of 18.3%. Maserati, oh, it's criminal, this one, 34.19, so (laughs) not that many vehicles, really. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why the £350 a month Maserati is is around. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Mitsubishi, a bit of a drop for them, actually, of 33.58%. Renault, another bad month for Renault. I was going to say, regarding Mitsubishi, I was going to say, oh, well, the new L200 just hit the country and then realised that, of course, that's not counted in this because this is cars, not commercial vehicles. Mm. Or like commercials. Yep. Uh, Renault, bad month for Renault, down 31.57. Smart, nearly 27.5. Sanyong, again, large percentage, but not very large (coughs) when it comes to the numbers. 37.88. Suzuki, though, this is a bit of a surprise, down uh, 22.77. So they obviously cannot shift enough chimneys for the world. No. No, I had a little think about this. Was was that not to do with the new Swift hitting the markets at this time last year and the new Swift Sport and stuff? Yeah, it could have been. Might that be something to do with it? So I think that last year might have been a bit of a peak uh, uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. why it's looking like this. Yeah. Or maybe they just can't get enough into the country. Yeah. But there's, I mean, if you look in the advertising, there's cracking deals on Suzuki's. But anyway, that's by the by, we're not here advertising for them. Well, there are. But I, I noticed, I did notice no. quite a few. Anyway, take us, take us back home with some cheer and joy, mm. Alan. Yeah. The, no, the thing is that the folk that lost, lost really badly. But the winners over the last month, the risers over the last month, really rose lots. Yeah. Toyota up 22.65%. M- MG up 27.92%. Lexus up 42.6%. Did you see MG's uh, email? I saw it, but I didn't actually it read was, it. It was remarkably restrained. I don't get emails from MG. It was, remar- well, it was a news press one. It was remarkably well restrained. They were very happy and oh, justifiably I think, I think so, I didn't click on it. That but it. They, were, they were restrained in what they said because mm-hmm. they don't get this month's stupid percentage increase award. We'll get to that in a minute. They don't. No. They don't. Well, they're well, they're well down. Where was I? Lexus. Had a good uh, month. I was at Lexus, wasn't I? Very good. Yeah, month. 42.6%. Jeep, 50.84%. I have seen a lot of Jeep Renegades. I, I don't want to rub it in. Uh, I've seen a lot of Jeep <laughs> Renegades on the back of transporters. So I don't know if, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. They seem to be incredibly popular. Mm. Uh, Infinity up 35.7%, which, by the way, is 10 cars. Yeah. Okay. It's a theme with today's, today's uh, Instagram post. 
Did you see? No. It was a Magnum Infinity in an infinity. <laughs> now, she oh, just, as I say, can't get the co-host these days. DS up 24.7%. I'm sure the registration of new uh, DS3 crossback oh, yeah, uh, yeah. helped with that. Yeah, of course. Uh, Citroen up 29.26%. But Citroen also had a good month as well as DS because they've, they seem to have paired each other in having bad months mm-hmm. recently. So it's good to see that they're both on the yeah. Up. Now, tell me this, because I haven't noticed them in the UK, but I've noticed them all over France. The C5 Crossback, so the bigger I've seen sort a of almost few. an SUV. Not, not the, loads, but I have seen a few. They are here in the UK. Yes. They are. Do you know in France, they are absolutely everywhere. I saw so many of them in France. Almost not quite as many as 3008, but quite a lot of them in France. I, I'd say that there's... That that yeah, I think they've got a winner on their hands with that one. Mm. Honestly, just the number that I've seen. I've heard good things about the ride quality with those. So. Yeah, I well, I would hope so. It's a Citroen. Yeah, but the winner of the most ridiculous percentage increase of the month sticks with the French. Uh, it is Alpine who are up one hundred and sixty three point six four percent. That means uh, twenty nine registered vehicles instead of eleven. <laughs> No, con- no, congratulations to Alpine. And I know everyone on Twitter and everyone everywhere is saying how wonderful it is, and it really is. It really is a fantastic car, uh, despite the location of the cruise control button. <laughs> Only car I've ever been in where you activate the cruise control with your left elbow. Tell us about manufacturing, Andrew. We don't typically cover this. However, uh, this is this is quite a story this time because car manufacturing in the UK has fallen by 20.1% in the first half of 2019, which is being blamed upon downturns worldwide and the shutdown for the Brexit that didn't happen shutdown, uh, which meant, obviously, if you shut mm-hmm. down, things are not made. So that makes a bit of sense. However, this does get connected to the story that I read in Car Magazine that was written by Nick Gibbs and others at Car Magazine about how investment in UK uh, production and UK manufacturing of vehicles has, I think the polite word is plummeted, recently on uncertainty over Brexit, etc., etc. Nosedived. Yes, exactly. So... Unfortunately, we have to say this every time because some people do make silly comments on the social medias. Brexit is not the cause of any of these problems, but it is a cause of these problems and it is affecting it. Mm -hmm. And to say otherwise is naive. Yes, there is, as we discussed last week, there is a downturn in the worldwide car buying. So therefore that puts extra pressure on. So any... Other things that happen, I don't know, like Brexit, make it they amplify the problems already within a system. So if you get if you mm-hmm. get unusual and unexpected issues cropping up, if you have problems in a system, it, it just it gets amplified beyond what you think it would. It makes more of the sums of the parts and all that sort of the other cliches like that. Yeah, and these are systems where stuff has to be planned and leveled out um, quite a bit in advance. Yeah, I mean, this is well. not Mickey Mouse stuff. So um, you, they cannot make immediate changes. Yeah, people are making decisions on what is happening six months, 12 months, five years down the line, and things have to run in a certain way to mm-hmm. make that happen. This isn't this isn't just making it up. This isn't on belief. This isn't on a whim. You know, there are, people are paid a lot of money to make these decisions, and they will be fired if they get these decisions wrong. This, there is a lot of pressure in this because it is so crucial to companies that it happens in the way that everyone wants it to, hopes it to. Right, before I get much more angry about that, why don't, why don't, why don't you tell us about uh, how, how ridiculous some laws can be? <laughs> well, according to, according to a story in The Spectator of all places, you know, it's slightly highbrow for us and not somewhere where we, where we normally end up uh, looking for, for motoring stories. Uh, a chap called Ramsey Barreto was, uh, he was, he was being one of these awful rubbernecker people. Uh, he was driving past uh, an accident and the police saw him holding up his phone, using it to film the scene. They pulled him over 
And sure enough, on his phone, there was a bunch of footage of his car driving past this accident. And there's some debate about what he said next. Uh, But then he denied that he was using a handheld mobile telephone. So what he and his lawyer did was they used what's called the Jimmy Carr defense, Mm -hmm. uh, which is where Jimmy Carr declared that dictating a joke into his iPhone, or the probably very well-paid lawyer of Jimmy Carr, uh, argued that dictating a joke into an iPhone was not using it uh, as a as a communication device. And similarly, Mr. Barreto was not using his phone. His phone was not communicating, but merely but using it as a camera, which... Yeah, because it's the whole transferring data type thing, isn't it? Is what they're yeah. trying to hone down in. Because so if he live-streamed gray- it... Yeah. If he'd live streamed it, or if he'd FaceTimed it, if if he had live streamed it, he would have been banged to rights. Yeah, but because it was just the the camera and videoing it onto saved directly onto the phone, that was not using it in inverted commas. As far as the appeal court, the administrative court decided. And by the way, this has gone through two or three other three other sittings up to this point where everyone had said, no, you're guilty, mate. Tough luck. Yeah, totally. This this had been escalated a number of times. But the the winner in this was that it wasn't being used for for an interactive communication function. Uh, hence me saying that if it had been live-streamed. That was it. So there is this really ridiculous inconsistency in the laws. I mean, doubtless if you got stopped now, then they would do you for uh, distracted driving or something like that instead, which is right and proper as far as i'm concerned but there is there is an issue with the mobile phone laws right now which a lot of people me included i guess are really hoping get sorted out because this is a bit rubbish uh, if you're holding the phone in your hand whilst you're driving you're holding the phone in the hand when you're whilst driving yeah i i think the, the the real lesson we can or what, what we would say and we have said many many times is don't use your phone while you're driving. Don't prod at it. Don't look at it. Don't interact with it. Well, I don't know that we've said it many times because we don't need to. Unless it's in satnav, but you're not. You're not. You're not reading text. You're not reading Facebook. You're not live streaming. You're not. What are all these other things? Because that's silly and it's dangerous. Which I reckon every mm-hmm. one of our listeners knows. Yes, I would imagine so. Yeah. yeah. But if you didn't, you do now. Told you. <laughs> Yeah, quite, totally. London Electric Vehicle Company, Andrew. Interesting article in Autocar. The boss of LEVC, London Electric Vehicle Company, who is Jorg Hoffman? Is that how you pronounce it? Possibly. I don't have the story open. J-O-E-R-G. So I'm going for Jorg and... Jorg. Mr. Hoffman, Jorg. I do. Jorg is correct. I do apologise for butchering your name otherwise, but he's talked about how to make the company uh, sustainable in the long term. Is that they have to step away from just doing the London taxi. Effectively, that that's not mm-hmm. a model that will be long term growth or anything like that because there is only there is only such a small market, even with their plans to export around the world which is good to see. Yeah. They had a tweet earlier on today about uh, about the number of the number that, that were being used in Hamburg. I think it was Hamburg. Are they all beige? Please tell me they're beige. They are beige. <laughs> good. <laughs> yes. That must look massive in beige. <laughs> look awful. Yes. They need to be viewed as a provider of green mobility solutions. So I think the first step on that was the van derivative, which when uh, we brought that up, or Alan brought it up on the show a few weeks ago, I thought that was just a, not something I considered, but I thought it was a brilliant idea because the vehicle's the right shape. The 80 miles on electric only is excellent for in urban areas for, you know, it's the last couple of miles delivery and all that sort of stuff. And it just makes a lot of sense, uh, albeit that's quite a posh fan, to be fair. <laughs> It's funny you mentioning shape, though, because actually what you don't want it being is the same shape as the taxi, because you don't want people to get one mixed up from the other from a distance. The platform allows it to be very square. But I think that squareness of the front end and the the windscreen allows the back end to be you know, a nice area in which to throw a lot of parcels in, for example. Yes, but I think that they will, I would imagine that they're going to make it not as taxi-like on the production ones because they need to differentiate the look from a delivery van to a to a taxi. And these taxis, the, the new LEVC ones are available in many different colours. Yeah. There, there seems to be far more of a palette than there ever was before. 
Yeah. What's interesting to see is that, again, a company under Geely ownership is looking for sustainable long-term life, which is clearly a key theme of Geely, mm-hmm. even though we we don't know because we, we don't get to see Geely itself that much. We just get to see the peripheral companies over here in the UK. Mm-hmm. So it, it's interesting to see the different ways these companies, whilst being related to each other, are striking out on their own and looking to to do their thing. Agreed. Yes, totally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You need to tell me about CarWow. <laughs> this is a quick congratulations to CarWow, really, because CarWow, who are the car buying comparison site i think is a pretty good a pretty good description of them yeah i think so you put in what you want and then they will do lots and lots of magically in the background basically they'll send that request out to dealers uh, and many will respond relatively quickly and it's it's pretty much it's it's pretty much uh, transparent there but i don't know anyone who's bought through them but actually it was a colleague at one point said, oh, yeah, I used to see a good site, Carwow. So, and I was like, oh, okay, I know them. I've heard of them. They make content as well. And, yeah, they're quite big. But they've raised another £25 million in a round, and it's been led by Daimler. So uh, congratulations. Uh, congratulations to those guys for, for raising that uh, and just doing a great job. I actually signed up. I looked for a, a very quick – I looked quickly for a a deal on the, via them. Sorry to have wasted you and some of your dealer's time to just see what it was like and to remind myself. And it was, it was, it came back really quickly. It was, it seems really good. And, you know, I could have ended up with an electric Hyundai from, from many different places. So that was brilliant. So whilst it was, it was Daimler who invested, rumor has it that what they actually did was they had similar offers uh, from Volkswagen and BMW. So what they did was they took they took the finance directors of all three of them to Bruntingthorpe and filmed them uh, filmed them doing a drag race. <laughs> that was funny in my head. It's not so funny now I've said it. <laughs> oh Anybody who's watched many car wow shots, your silence there was appalling. Oh, no. (laughs) Okay, I'm glad I did leave that in then. Right. Matt Watson, you do a good job by doing actually enjoy your videos. I'm sorry. (laughs) Right, moving on. One other piece of consolidation, Andrew, before... another bit of congratulations, and this time to Dennis Publishing uh, and to Car Throttle and WTF1. So Dennis has actually bought car throttle and wtf1 their report on this states is mainly social media type stuff but i think they're a bit more than that (laughs) just to be just to give them a bit of credit (laughs) but it does give dennis access to a larger market and possibly younger market than they have had in the past uh, of people who maybe don't go to sites don't buy magazines so it's just interacting via uh, social media. And both these brands do a great job of, en- oh, God, that's a terrible word here, engagement on social media. But they do. They they interact with people. They put great, good stuff out there. People enjoy them. So yeah, congratulations to everyone involved because that's, that's great news. I, I love, I mean, uh, Adnan and the, the team and, of course, the people, you know, Ethan and, and everyone else sort of front of screen i really uh, ethan and alex and co uh, i really enjoy watching their videos i just always have Mm -hmm. um because because they're cracking so so well done guys yep tell us how our guilt can be removed thanks to porsche well this is quite well i saw this via a somewhat snarky tongue-in-cheek article uh, on jalopnik uh, from aaron gordon about how you can porsche have launched something called porsche impact which sounds like something you don't really want to happen for fear of it costing you quite a lot in replacement parts. And I thought initially that it had only been launched in the US, but it's a way for you to get rid of the guilt of driving an internal combustion engine by buying carbon offsets to offset the amount of carbon, funnily enough, that you would expect to generate uh, over the course of the year. 
over the course of a year. And if you go to, if you follow the link from the Jalopnik article, it takes you to Porsche US and there's a great big banner and lots of what's going pictures, which, which takes you to, which takes you to Porsche impact and it makes a big deal. Uh, so I thought, Oh, I wonder if it's US only. Maybe we should take it out, but it isn't to get to it from the UK. You have to go to the Porsche site. So, you know, this is in between configuring the new 911. Uh, so you go to company, you go to sustainability. You mean you haven't configured a new 911 yet? Well, I don't get off the uh, 71, I don't get off the 718 Cayman page. So, of course you will, because you like much, much, you much prefer the, the humps. The best looking car in the Porsche range. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, you can go to Porsche Impact and it doesn't, you don't have to own a Porsche for this to, in order to do this. So you're saying that Porsche will happily take your money without you having to own a Porsche. Well, it's not actually Porsche that's taking know, the money. Sorry, the money I'm goes directly uh, to pithy. a company in partnership, which is a Swiss-based carbon offset organization called South Pole. Now, of course, before you do this, you've got to have some sort of belief that carbon offsetting actually works and the that these projects deliver the benefits which people are prefer- are, are um, proposing and promising at the start. And so, there is much question about that, isn't there? There is a lot of question about that. So, you know, if you're all right with that and you've decided that the the, the, the that fits within your, your personal bounds or you feel that, you know, uh, donating 100 quid uh, will, will make you feel much better, then you can do that. It doesn't – the interesting thing here is it doesn't have to be a Porsche. So – in here it says it suggests you putting in your yearly mileage, so I'll put eighteen thousand, which is about right. It's about what I, it is what I put in for insurance and all these things. Eighteen thousand uh, consumption in miles per gallon, not thirty-two point nine. Because I'm a nerd, I know it off by heart. <laughs> was it? Was that that Andrew? Not that. Was that Andrew? Twenty-two? Did I hear twenty-two in a good day? Oh yeah, right downhill with the wind behind me i should be so lucky i'm not even getting half yours yeah exactly <laughs> 14 right 32.9 from mine do you know i got up to 40 46 as i cruised down cruised down the auto route to the south of france i don't i don't want to hear this gloating i do not want to hear gloating on this way in any shape or form Two, 213 brake horsepower and i'm getting 14 because if because yeah. if you gloat like that i will mention something you said to me in slack <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, when I wasn't doing that, yeah. Okay. Those, you can choose what type of project you want, the biodiversity, you can choose solar, so Latin American solar, water projects or forest protection. And the different types of project give you a different, give you a different amount of money. So my off, I would need to offset 5.77 tons of CO2. If I choose forest protection and I want to look at permanent protection for Afognak, Island's dense old growth spruce forest in Alaska is £128.50. If I just want to save forests, protect away wildlife, and transform lives in Zimbabwe, it's £87.36. Oh, solar's even cheaper, £77.9p. And water is the cheapest of the lot. Cleaner air, renewable electricity, and improved well-being for communities in central Vietnam, 56 55 and then you can go through and you can pay that by credit card uh, in only a couple of minutes. So if you believe carbon offsetting projects work and you want to to try and do something about your CO2 emissions, then um, this is one way of doing it. And it is via Porsche. I'm sure you can do it without Porsche, but it was it was that that brought it to my to my attention. Okay. So yeah. And let's face it. If you're spending 96 grand or 98 grand or something on a Panamera, which has, does what? It declares 66 to the gallon or something. Then, then it's going to be much less than I've just said. And that's a year's worth. So whether it does stuff or it doesn't do stuff, it, it might be helping the world anyway. Think of it as voluntary tax. It's time for guilt minute. That point in the show when we remind you to think about and consider what the motoring podcast is worth to you. If you feel it's worth a small amount of your hard-earned cash, then please head to motoringpodcast.com and click on the orange Become a Patron button there on the front page if you're already a patron. Thank you so very much. We understand that not everyone has the the uh, the finance available to do this, so please don't forget to like, rate, and leave feedback via the podcast playing platform of your choice. 
If you've done all that, you really are wonderful. Uh, how's about costing a friend who you think would enjoy us, telling them all about us? Maybe steal their phone, subscribe on the QT, that kind of thing, because uh, that would be great. Uh, if you don't actually subscribe, speaking of subscription, uh, how about doing so for free, making sure that you come to you without the anxiety and worry that you might miss out on the next week's awesome uh, news show. Uh, if you do need help uh, getting hold of a podcast player, and you're not sure what to do, then do get in touch uh, via any of the ways that we'll mention at the end of the show, uh, and we're only too happy to help you, as quite often are our listeners. So, which is another way of showing that they rock. Mm-hmm. I think I managed Gilman in under a minute. Well done. Good work. Yes, which is is pretty good going. So next up, Formula E. Well, it's, it's not the Formula E season, so you might be wondering why we're mentioning this. But over the course of the weekend, uh, Jean-Paul Trio sadly passed away. So he was the chap who founded the race team, race company at Dams, and subsequently uh, Renault E-Dams and Nissan E-Dams, uh, Formula E teams. Uh, so he was someone who maybe he wasn't on the very front line that we all think of, of motoring. He wasn't really, you know, Formula One, but he's one of those people who kept motoring going, um, kept motorsport, motor racing going in the background right the way through from 1968 when he started out to the present day to incredibly recent, incredibly recently, uh, with working with Alain Prost on the Renault Dams team. Uh, there's a really uh, nice uh, obit on the FIA Formula E website. Uh, there'll be a link, as ever, in the show notes, but we're, we're very sorry to hear about that. Yes. Of course, thoughts with his family, friends, colleagues uh, on the sad news. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right, moving on to other motorsport, and it was uh, the WRC Rally Finland last weekend. And Tanik, after a couple of events where he had disappointing results through just bad luck, mechanical issues, etc. Uh, he mm-hmm. ended up winning that one and extending his lead to 22 points in the world championship. Again, it was quite an attritional <laughs> event because both his teammates... Well, well, I'm sorry, from most of the photos that I've seen, the cars barely touched the ground. Well, the, the, yes, there are one or two photos of vehicles many, 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 many feet and videos in the air. <laughs> For very long ways. There was one of a Hyundai, which did what looked like about a quarter of a mile in the air. It was ridiculous. I know. Uh, shock, ab- shock absorbing companies were rubbing their hands with glee before this event. <laughs> but Latvala and Meek mm. both had problems on Saturday with the same rock on the same corner that wasn't in the notes or they got wrong. But Latvala suffered a puncture. Meek was more significant than that. And he was in third at the time, doing really well. He destroyed, basically, the rear suspension. So he was out. He came back in in the super rally stuff. But mm-hmm. you know, but but Latvala managed to... Latvala ended up third with uh, Citroen's Lappi was second in the event. Wasn't brilliant. I mean, it's okay point-wise, but from a... Being near the pointy end, Ogier and Nouveau were way off the pace. Uh, they did not seem to enjoy mm-hmm. the race at all. Uh, Ogier, uh, sorry, was further ahead. Um, Nouveau needed Breen, who was driving for the first time for Hyundai, and did a really good job considering he hadn't been in a WRC car for over six months. He turned up deliberately late at a timing thing, so he got a 20-second penalty, which put him behind Nouveau which moved Nouveau up closer uh-huh. to Ogier in the points. It's one of those really quite tedious things that are in the regs that allow teams to exploit, which is what motorsport does, but exploit and make sure they're not being penalised or can gain advantage over others. But was it not last season we were all having a go at uh, Ogier for doing OJ's team doing something similar? Uh, yes, I think it was. And it seems to be all very quiet that Hyundai did it this time. It just close the loophole, please. Mm-hmm. If you're doing it for a teammate, your teammate stays in the same position, you know, end of. Yeah. But that's all that news has been slightly overshadowed because uh, it, it came out uh, just after the event, but OJ has decided he's going to retire in uh, 2020. That's it. He's, he's had enough. Yes, At the end of 2020, that. that's it. He's off ski. 
Uh, I mean, I don't know if he's going to do a lobe. I don't know if Ogier is going to do something similar yeah. or whether that's it. He's just going to put a, you know, hang up his driving gloves and enough's enough. He's done it. He's done what he, need, he wanted to do and that's it. I don't know. They're race drivers. I don't think they'll just give up. No, I can't see it. I don't think they'll give up. They've got to be doing something. I hope we, I hope we get to see him at things like Goodwood, don't we? Yeah, but the only person who would do stuff like just drop it completely is, is Nico Rosberg, the most the dullest person in motorsport. Yeah, you get the feeling he's regretting that when you look at how he's attacked social media in the way that he has. Well, there is a bit of that, but yeah. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) That's that's a very grown-up response. Anyway, our lunchtime read. Uh, Lunchtime read is from Autocar again, and this time Autocar's Matt Saunders has sat down with with Matt Becker uh, from Aston Martin, with Mike Cross from JLR, and with Andreas Preninger from Porsche, who are both who are all uh, sort of engineering leads, so chief engineers, directors of high performance cars. In uh, Andreas's uh, case. And talk to them about the future of uh, the future of performance cars and how to keep them fun. How to keep them fun. How what the evolution is. What they personally feel is is good and bad. Uh, well, mostly is good actually. And just a bit about them. It's really interesting. Well worth uh, well worth the the obligatory sort of five to ten minutes of your time to have a wee read through that. Uh, link as ever in the show notes, or you can go via Meeting Minds. Aston Martin uh, is the name of the autocar feature. Yep, absolutely. Right, it says meeting minds, Aston Martin, JLR, and Porsche lead engineers. Yeah, right. Uh, Fair l- bias. It's just if you type that much, then you'll find it. <laughs> yes. List of the week comes from iNews, actually, and Matt Allen has put a list together. Following the announcement of the price of the Renault Megane RS Trophy R, lovely snappy title for a car there. Um, mm. I'm not sure that it all goes on one big badge, uh, which was oddly coloured to look like your Yaris GRMN, which I was yeah. unsure instead of yellow, but whatever. Blimey, it's an eye-watering price for a hot hatch. Everyone had an opinion on the price straight away. Yeah. I mean, everyone. So if you spec it with all the toys, as it made the fastest lap of the Nürburgring for a front-wheel drive, road car it's seventy two thousand one hundred and forty pounds that includes such joys as carbon fiber wheels and all sorts of things like that so there were many many lists like this and this was the one that we i don't know for me it got down to two two of these because everyone went oh my goodness it's how much it's all oh oh it's the end of the world it's a hot hatch and it costs seventy two thousand one hundred and forty pounds you could have all sorts of things so lots of different lists the one that came in second, by the way, was uh, was Dan Beavis's one on Car and Classic, which actually comes to a total number of Renaults you could have for the same cost. Uh, so <laughs> do have a little bit of a look for that on Car and Classic. Uh, that was the one you didn't choose, huh? No, no, I know. But no, this one is various supercars, none of which I would say are actually as track-focused as the Renault, uh, apart from the Lotus Evora yeah. in the list there. So. Yeah, but this one's a good one from Matt Allen, so thank you, Matt. What was your pick out of the list? <sighs> I, uh, I I'm struggling. This uh, is a bit dull. Four that I would quite like. The AMG GT is a lovely car. I like that a lot. Yes, as that's well. that's one of my four. Um, I've seen a couple of them recently, and uh, they have presence. I know what you're like. You're going to choose the Tesla Model S because you're a love that. Yeah, well, of course, obviously. Drink of the Elon Kool-Aid. I do. If you choose that, how could you possibly choose any other vehicle? Mm. It's the only one that's going to save the world. Well, the 911 Carrera. Should I stop being Tesla abusive? Yes. The 911 yeah. Carrera is, I, I quite you like. You see, that they... Uh, but I also really quite like the Bentley Continental because I'm an old, broken man, you know. My mechanic drives a Bentley Continental. That's how common they are. Sorry, <laughs> oh, I look forward to you getting car. your your car fixed next time. <laughs> Shut up! One of them, one of them needs us. One of them is call is needs a service in the next two thousand miles, and the other one is overdue for an MOT. So, uh, so yeah, I don't think he listens. I hope not. I'm in trouble if he does. Well, you know what you told all the listeners to nick someone's phone. Yeah, be cool. That's what you want. Yeah, you want to go to be cool. Yeah, there you go. I will. I will. Now I've been mildly abusive. I'll, I. I will pimp the garage I use. Yes. Yep. That was the list of the week. It's time for the and finally, uh, and finally, everyone's favourite YouTubing car Italian car designer, uh, <laughs> Matteo Licata, went off to a Mazda MX-5 30th birthday. 
Bash. He has put out a YouTube of it. It is well worth watching. Uh, so yes, Linky, as always in the show. If you don't follow Roadster Life on, uh, on YouTube, you really, really should do. Uh, it's, it's just genius and it's got this sort of slightly weird sense of humor which which i think is hilarious it's refreshingly pure i think it is he is giving you it his I, his i just adore his feeling. accent well yeah i mean of course his his voice is gorgeous and i i won't let my i won't let mrs crack windscreen hear it in case i'm forever shunned as a result <laughs> but it's just it's so pure because he is giving his heartfelt honest feelings when he is saying that this is the best best uh, you know although I, I nearly haven't forgiven him for saying top five sedans is one of his lists but uh, I I know he's having to play the YouTube game a little there yes no it's fantastic if you if you don't subscribe to Roast Life do please do please subscribe because he's, he's rather good yep is there anything for the parish notes? I no, nothing, may nothing well have a something new. out for Friday. There's nothing new nothing from new. what I have said in previous weeks. Still working on things. Yeah, and this continues to be a wonderful opportunity for you to catch up on episodes of Rearview that you might not have listened, uh, or to check out a couple of the blogs that I wrote for over the last little while, about mostly about driving around Europe. Uh, the Route Napoleon one is, is out uh, if you go to mushroompodcast.com slash blog. Uh, you will find it there. I don't have a banner made up for that, people watching the YouTube. <laughs> at demotoringpodcast.com slash blog for that. Uh, for those, basically. And you can have a wee look there, and there's some pickies and some words, and people have said nice things about the words. So thank you. But other than that, finally, everything has reloaded on the screen in front of me. Everyone, don't forget that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback. Share your thoughts on the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Don't forget about our Patreon offer, available at motoringpodcast.com slash support. And please, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. It really does matter. Andrew. Without the occasional pause and freeze, which I seem to be seeing at the minute, what's the best way to get in touch with you? The best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you will find me there. And Alan, if people want to get in touch with you personally and maybe, I don't know, give you digital hugs to say, it's all right, we're with you, we've got through it almost, what are the best ways for them to do that for you? Yeah, well, the best way they can do that is via Twitter where I'm at AJP Bradley B R A D L E Y. We'll be back next week. Uh, but until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.